Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, the Saskatchewan Seed Growers Association has warned farmers that seed supply could be tight in 2022. Drought definitely had an impact on seed production, but grain contracts that need to be filled might be tempting seed growers to take grain to the elevator instead of keeping it and selling it as seed. Todd Hyra with CCAN will talk about how seed production was impacted this year and give some advice for producers who are still trying to secure seed for the spring. Ergot is a fungus that can be found in wheat, barley and rye during the wet and damp growing seasons. The ergot body or sclerotia replaces the kernel and turns it black or dark purple. And the sclerotia contain poisonous chemicals, which can cause conditions such as lameness and gangrene in cows. In humans, ergot poisoning is linked to convulsions and hallucinations. University of Saskatchewan PhD student Jensen Cherowick is studying how ammonia and UV light can be used to reduce the harmful effect of ergot in cereal crops. Jensen is here to talk about her research. After the break, Todd Hyra. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Todd Hyra is the Western Business Manager for CCAN, and he is based in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Todd. And maybe first of all, let's start by talking about CCAN and just explain what role you play in the grain industry. CCAN is a, uh, a network of um, seed companies, independent seed companies uh, from across Canada. And uh, we source genetics from plant breeding institutions from here in Canada and around the world and deliver them to our farmer seed growers who grow, process, and sell to their local customers. So what types of seed are we talking about here? Uh, We sell a a wide range of seed. In Western Canada, it's primarily wheat, barley, oats, flax, soybeans, and some forage crops. Um, Anything that is grown, processed locally uh, fits our model beautifully. Todd, no one is going to dispute uh, just how tough a year it was for grain and oilseed producers on the prairies, really unprecedented drought and the heat wave that hit this summer. So the impact was significant for farmers, but I also expect it was also very hard for the seed producers and the seed industry as a whole as well. Yeah, well, it, uh, any area that was impacted by the drought, you can expect that same type of impact uh, for local seed growers as well. That being said, uh, most seed growers either carry some inventory or have brought in supplies or have harvested a crop, uh, be it somewhat reduced from what they would have hoped for or planned. But uh, seed growers are in the business of uh, meeting their customers' needs and will have some form of seed available for their customers. Uh, but I, I guess that comes with uh, some provisions. One is uh, customers need to uh, be in contact with them fairly quickly. So seed supplies are tight of some products and some crop types and commodity prices are at record levels. And so seed growers are, have the seed on hand now, uh, are taking commitments from their farmer customers on an ongoing basis right now, which is unheard of for um, many cereal products to be selling this quickly in September, October. And uh, so some will sell out of some crops and some varieties fairly quickly. 
Uh, so that is one thing to keep in mind. The Saskatchewan seed growers shared a news release where I think the tone was very much the same as what you've described, that there may be some limited supplies of certain seed. Uh, Do you know of any particular crops that will be uh, especially short for uh, the 2022 growing season? Well, from talking to our members, I would uh, estimate that barley, oats, peas, are going to be among the uh, the crops that are shorter uh, earlier. Um, Durham in some areas, flax um, will be short uh, eventually. Wheat is okay at present, but as some, it, it's like dominoes. Once one thing sells out, it seems to be the next one uh, down the line. So if somebody has uh, is considering their crop rotations and wants to lock up supply, I'd have them get in touch with their local seed grower and uh, make some commitments as soon as possible. As I said before, seed growers are uh, they're seeing these same prices, these commodity prices, and they don't want to um, be holding inventory at the end of the season. So they're they're geared towards meeting their customers' needs. But if the customers don't come, uh, that seed will get released as grain into the uh, to the market to take advantage of some of these prices. So when customers go to their growers, be prepared for some sticker shock. Um, when you look at crops like Flax, um, traditionally our, our seed price would have been probably $22, $23. This year the commodity is $45, $46. I've heard it's $47, high as $47 per bushel. So that means the seed price is going to be higher than that to compensate for the royalty and the, uh, the extra work that went into it. So growers need to be uh, kind of calibrated for a little bit of sticker shock on that front and be prepared to... Uh, uh, commit to lock up supplies. And I just want to add, of course, that CCAN does not, um, and your members do not deal with canola. That's uh, separate companies, line companies that uh, provide canola seed. Yeah, so uh, as I said, uh, CCAN members uh, serve best uh, products that are grown, processed, and sold locally. Uh, for canola supplies, the, the larger um players like Bayer and Corteva and BASF, as well as Cantera, uh, Brett Young. Those are the, uh, the options that would be in the business to supply canola. Todd, any other thoughts or words of advice for producers as they're making uh, preparations for spring of 2022? Yeah, I think uh, I appreciate the opportunity. I think it's important to, to see growers do this job to make sure that they uh, they uh, can meet their customers' needs, and it, it does pain them to have to dump good quality seed into the uh, into the grain elevator. Uh, but they they also don't want to be left holding some of this high value crop at the end of the season. So I I think as long as uh, customers are reaching out to their seed growers and having those discussions early, and be willing to uh, put down some commit uh, commitment and understand that. Uh, the, uh, the the commodity prices uh, are high, and there'll be some sticker shock there if they keep all those pieces in mind. That uh, seed growers will work to to meet their needs. They are bringing product in from other areas. They're um, they're um, working with within networking within our CCAN membership to try and find supply. So uh, they'll do what they can to meet their needs. Thanks for your time, Todd. Anytime, Alice. Uh, Hopefully uh, that all makes sense. And if you have other questions that, that come out of this, don't hesitate to call. Thanks, and I appreciate that, Todd. 
Todd Hyra is the Western Business Manager for CCAN. After the break, we'll have Jensen Cherowick here with the University of Saskatchewan. She's a PhD student, and she's going to be talking about her research on ergot in cereal grains. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. University of Saskatchewan PhD student Jensen Cherowick is taking a long look at ergot. The ergot body, or sclerotia, is poisonous. The chemical compounds come in two different configurations, an R form or an S form, and the two forms also have the ability to convert from one form to the other. So, Jensen, let's talk about your work. It focuses on the S form, so tell us about that. Historically, it's been known that this R form can cause the toxic effects as in lameness, and that's all through the vasoconstriction of blood vessels. So vascular tissue just uh, contracts, and then that can cut off blood supply. And so the R form is known to be uh, the toxic one. But then since there is this S form, it hasn't really been studied since historically it's been known as not bioactive. So, and that's kind of where my research comes in is that, you know, why has this S form been considered non-bioactive and my research is kind of uh, telling a different story. So, so far we've found out that the S-form does indeed cause vasoconstriction, so it'll bind to the receptors in vascular tissue and then the vascular tissues then constrict, which there it would uh, reduce the blood flow and that can then lead to a detrimental toxic effect. So, my research is looking at the mechanism of, okay, how does this S-form bind to these receptors and causing these toxic effects and how does it relate to the R form? Does it have a similar mechanism to cause these toxic effects as the R epimer or does it not? And so we're investigating these S forms a bit further and also trying to look at how these S forms and R forms, how can we try to detoxify them since they're both uh, toxic to uh, animals and humans? Jensen, can you explain the different methods of uh, this detoxification that can be used to make ergot usable? So we are looking at the UV rays. We wanted to look at practical ways to try to detoxify ergot. So what could you use, you know, around the farm or what's readily available that you could use to detoxify ergot? And we were looking at uh, UV rays. UV can cause switching of the forms from one to another. That we wanted to look if UV would actually uh, like degradate these chemicals. So if they would uh, could potentially detoxify them by breaking down these chemicals. And then another major way that we wanted to see if it would cause detoxification was the use of ammonia. So we exposed the grain samples to ammonia, and then we then tested these grain samples if it had a lower concentration of these ergot alkaloids, so the R and the S epimer, after ammoniaization. So for instance, farmers can use in dire need times to increase the protein quality of, say, their uh, feed for their animals. So you, you know, put that black tarp over and you take the ammonia from the tank and you put a, um, a hose into the you know, feed with that covering over it and ammoniate it. And so potentially, if you could do that with just your ergot-contaminated uh, grain, and if it could cause the decrease in these chemicals, and maybe you could even increase that protein quality and then also detoxify the grain if it was contaminated with ergot, potentially. So is it at all possible that the UV light could be looked at for on-farm use? The UV one is a little more preliminary where it's like, okay, how 
practically could you do that? You know, would, would you be able to put a UV light in the bin maybe? Or, and even our thoughts is we try to use similar UV rays to the sun. And even then, you know, you don't want your grain sitting out outside for an extended period of time. But say if you had your grain in the grain bags, that could allow some UV light rays to go through. Could that potentially help? But that's kind of more uh, preliminary and, and maybe not as practical as compared to the ammonia. And Jensen, um, congratulations to you. I understand that you received uh, funding for this research project. So I was uh, awarded the uh, Alexander Graham Bell Canada Graduate Scholarship. That really helps give funding to this research to help support us in continuing on to try to understand, you know, the mechanisms of this S form of the irrigate alkaloids and also to try to continue on to try to help uh, investigate how to detoxify these ergot chemicals, whether it's the S form or the R form, to try to help, um, you know, just in case, like you say, if there was a really wet year again or if ergot trends upwards in coming years, that we'll be ready to try to help combat that. Dr. Jensen Cherowick is a PhD student at the University of Saskatchewan, and she is researching whether ammonia or UV rays can diminish or eliminate the toxicity in ergot-infected cereal grains. This is the Agriculture News Roundup for the week of November 15, 2021. Thousands of farm animals in B.C. died in what officials are calling an agricultural disaster. The Chicken Farmers of Canada said dozens of farms under evacuation orders in the Fraser Valley region are poultry farms. The B.C. Dairy Association says the flooding had put a strain on the industry, which is still reeling from the disastrous summer, and it's unclear how many milking cows died because of the floods. B.C. Agriculture Minister Landa Popham said the province was rushing to develop routes for veterinarians to access animals that survived the flooding. She said desperate farmers tried to rescue their animals but had to abandon them as floodwater started swamping roads. Even animals that were ferried out of barns were in poor health and needed help. The mudslides closed all rail access to the Port of Vancouver. CN Rail nor CP would say when service might resume because there were several washouts. Greg Cherowick, the president of Pulse Canada, said the numbers of rail cars impacted was about 5,000, and that was 50 trains trying to get into that corridor. After four years of planning and construction, Roquette's $600 million pea protein plant near Portage, La Prairie, Manitoba was officially opened. Roughly 125,000 metric tons of organic and conventional yellow peas would be processed from growers across Western Canada each year. The plant is expected to reach full capacity early next year. The Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association have developed a 12-point plan to help producers following the devastating 2021 drought. President Kelsey Elfert says the federal provincial agro-recovery program could amount to nearly $300 million for Saskatchewan, but additional measures were needed to safeguard producers into the next growing season. Canada launched free trade talks with a major group of Southeast Asian countries as it seeks to diversify from China and find new ways of coping with the snarled global supply chain. International Trade Minister Mary Ng announced the opening of formal talks with the Association of Southeast Asian Nations after meeting with representatives of that 10-country group.
Production and maintenance workers at 14 Deer and Company plants in the United States returned to the job after voting 61% in favour of a new contract. The work stoppage created uncertainty among farmers about equipment availability and parts supplies. And it also raises questions among market analysts about expectations for the company's income this year. Extremely damaging hailstorms resulted in near-record claims for Western Canadian farmers this year, despite a decrease in overall storm activity. This from Canadian Crop Hail Association, which said insurance payments to prairie producers exceeded $322 million compared to the $309 million collected in premiums. Scott McQueen with Canadian Crop Hail Association said higher loss ratios one year usually translate into higher premiums the following year. The Mennonite Disaster Service said more than a dozen loads of hay from Ontario arrived in Saskatchewan to help drought-stricken farmers. The vice chair for the Disaster Service in Saskatchewan, Ike Epp, estimated 12 to 15 truckloads of hay had been donated, but he was hopeful more loads would be coming and efforts were underway in Ontario to seek more donations. Protein Industries Canada will be part of a project that will develop and distribute plant-based non-soy alternatives to pork and wagyu beef. Merit Functional Foods and Wine Crush Technology will develop the ingredients for the new products using Canadian-grown crops including non-GMO peas and canola, which will then be used in research and development activities to perfect the new beef and pork alternatives. The entire project will cost $7.6 million, with Protein Industries investing $3.8 million. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.